Hello and welcome to today's episode of Healing and Growing Hand in Hand podcast. Today, my guest is Carrie Ann Livingstone, and she is a clarity coach, and she'll tell us a little more about that. Um, and the topics that we're going to kind of talk about today, which are some of my favorites, actually. Um, first, she's going to share her story um, of her childhood abuse and her healing journey. And then we're going to talk about forgiveness. And that's one subject I'm very familiar with, and so is Carrie Ann. And then also the acceptance process. And so I wanted to start before I hand it over to you um, and just um, share with the audience how I met you. So I found you on TikTok and it was the video you did where you um, stitched in the John Bradshaw, uh, what is it? Healing the It was a video from Oprah Winfrey. Yeah, from 1991. Right, right. right. That was the first video that I saw is where you, you had, you had played that and that was huge. Oh my gosh. That, yeah, I took a few minutes and I went through that video and I recommend anybody, you can find it on YouTube, anybody listen to it. And then that's also, also pinned on my, t- I, I keep it pinned on my TikTok for that reason. Yeah. 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 Just so and people can see it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to end up doing that as well because that, that video is so profound so much so that I ended up buying two of his books. I still have yet to, to begin reading them, but the healing, the shame that binds you and then um, homecoming. So those really spoke to my heart. They're on my list of books and these are one of these are going to be up next. Um, so anyway, so that is how I found you. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I de- definitely wanted to mention that video and then hand it over to you. And so tell us about you. Well, just for the listeners wondering about what that video is, because they were like, yeah, the video. Yeah, more. like yeah. what is it? Um, it was, so in 1991, I was 16, 17, maybe. And I used to come home from school, from high school and watch Oprah, because that was a normal thing to do in my life. Right. And, um, and he, she had this guest on that did this, um, this journey, this visualization of going back mm-hmm. to a child at home and, and seeing your child at home and connecting with it and then and then walking inside and connecting with a younger version of yourself and essentially reestablishing connection with the youngest version of you that you can remember mm-hmm. and acknowledging all the things that that child version of you went through and and being the person that they needed back then right and and essentially I was super emotional and so mm-hmm. I watched it back in 1991 and it it was such an anchor moment for me in in reconciling all the things I had been through and, and was still going through. And so I, when I, so here's an interesting story is that I hadn't seen it since I was 16 Mm -hmm. and I'd always thought about it. So like I'm 49 now. Okay. And at least a few times a year, I'll think about it and I would go searching for it, but I always thought because of memory's funny, right? Um, (laughs) I always thought it was the guy that did the Venus and love, you know, Venus and Mars. Oh, right. His name is I can't feel, oh my God. Anyway, I'd search Oprah Winfrey childhood regressions. I would just do all these searches, could never find it. And, and I hadn't thought about it in a while. And I was flicking through the stations. This is like a few months ago, this is April. And I saw Oprah Winfrey, you know, show. And I thought, wouldn't that be crazy if it was that episode? Like I actually had that thought Mm. and I pressed enter on the episode, like on the menu. And it was, and it was, and I thought, oh, that's, oh, that's weird. Like, and then I realized John Bradshaw, like I connected all the dots. And of course, then I went right to YouTube, John Bradshaw over and there, and it shows up. Right. And I thought, this is, 
a sign. It, it felt very much like a sign mm-hmm. of like 40 odd years, not 40 years, but like 30 odd years of wondering and, and yeah. looking for it. And then it shows up like that. So I pay attention to that stuff. Yes. Um, yeah, that's so, profound. <laughs> and I was like, I think, I think I need to, sh-, and I just shared it. Like I didn't do my hair. I didn't do anything. I was like, I'm a couch. And I was like, listen, this recording really changed my life. Mm-hmm. And how it changed my life was that it helped me realize that I could parent myself and, yeah. and not in terms of like a consolation prize, like to undercut my parents or something. It was like, it was such an organic um, and powerful connection yeah. that I didn't realize was kind of an, of course, that's available to us. Right. And it just shifted and reconciled so much on an energetic level that I couldn't even, I couldn't even language it back then, but I knew it was significant. So that's why I shared it. And, yeah. and I woke up the next day and there was like a million views and, you know, powerful it was crazy it was it went very viral and that was the first time and I was like oh my god I don't know how to handle this but anyway I was really glad though because it's really in line with the work that I do which is helping to reconnect people and get clarity about the things that either happening or happened and I guess I believe that from that clarity well I know that from clarity and connection healing happens and you can create and to create from a clear and connected place right. is everything. So right. that's that surmises the work that I do and, and why. But um, what I yes. what I love is that you found that video mm-hmm. at sixteen or watched it, I watched it on TV, and that at sixteen that made a difference in your life. That gives me absolute chills yeah. because you know part of the reason why I want to do this podcast is to shorten people's suffering. You know, yeah. if I can bring help to people to shorten their suffering. And so you were able to, at such a, you must have a very old soul in you for sure, for at 16, for you to pay attention to that and for it to make that profound effect on you is huge. Yeah, I've felt, um, I always love that term, um, an old soul. It helped make sense for me, a lot of things, mm-hmm. you know, like people that I meet, um, that makes sense. Like, yeah, that makes sense around that person. And then I would be told that as Mm -hmm. a kid or, um, I remember lying, you know, in my cousin's bed and she was like five years older than me. And I just remember her saying like, I can just say anything. And I just felt so like, what is that? Like, why do people just tell me stuff? (laughs) Like, (laughs) like 15. And I thought, am I just trying to be like more grown up than I am? Am I just faking it? But I remember just being like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I think I'm just being myself. And, and just yeah. wondering about all those comments, like, gosh, you know, you, you're wise beyond your year, like little comments like that, mm-hmm. which at the time felt like bragging, you know, it felt like, well, I don't know. It sounds yeah. like, you know, it felt like a compliment, but not, but a weird anyway. So yes. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. I think I, I think there's a lot of us that feel like we've been here many times before yeah. and, um, and we see things and we know things and we don't know why. And it can feel actually like a burden actually at times. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. That yeah. is true. Yeah. So that's cool. So, um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta download that video. I watched it. I watched it right after I watched yours and yeah. And I, and what's interesting is at the time I was beginning my inner child healing. So I was, I'm in, I'm doing EMDR right now. And, and at that point I was actually going back to the little Lisa and coming alongside her and standing up for her 
and talking to the abusers and mm -hmm. not in a disrespectful or yelling or out of control. It was adult Lisa coming along, little Lisa standing beside her for the first time, she feels protected and she now has a voice and she yeah. can say the things to the abusers in a safe way. And so I was just beginning that. Yeah. And then I saw that video and it just, it, it was and just- a, a lot of people felt like it was very EMDR, EMDR yes. uh, related. And right. it's interesting because that wasn't spoken about back then. And the irony also mm -hmm. of the work. So if anyone's listening, go to YouTube and actually watch the full 43 minute video, which I think sets it up even better because there's a lot of nuance and like others, other discussions that lead up to that right. um, visualization that I think are far more supportive because some people were feeling like, oh my God, I wasn't prepared for that. You know, cause I warned people, I was yeah. like, bring your tissues, yeah. like this could really open things up, but I trusted that for the majority, it was going to be for in a very good way. Right. Um, because it is hard to move through this stuff on your own, you know, and yeah, it, can be, it can be very, what we would call triggering, but mm -hmm. it can be very emotional. So yeah, he, um, what I realized watching it, you know, 30 something years later is that what he was doing is a form of what I do now, which mm. is, but I was, um, so I'm, I'm professionally trained as a life and business coach. I did a full year certification, but there was a piece of my training that actually ended up being very intuitive, uh, that I was taught personally through my own, through my own losses. And it was, mm. um, only brought forward when I learned the coach training part. And I thought, oh, what about that? There were parts of the coach training that reminded me of, of healing work that I had done, I guess, when I, I want to say by myself, um, right. because I was. I was told to journal and ask certain questions mm -hmm. and I felt very guided in my grief. Um, it was after losing uh, a pregnancy, our first pregnancy, it was a terrible time. And, mm. and I just listened and I just followed the prompts and that ended up, that was in 2008. So I didn't start training until 2010, 11. So I, it was still quite fresh. And so that is very EMDR based which mm. wasn't a thing and um, internal family systems. If people are familiar with internal family systems, it's parts work. And mm. that wasn't talked about back then either. So I would, I had been taught uh, essentially a part of EMDR, a, a piece of family, internal family systems and what Gabor Mate calls compassionate inquiry. Mm. But again, none of those terms existed yeah. in 2010. Mm -hmm. So I ended up applying this and working this and weaving this into the coaching that I was offering mm. and creating very potent and powerful shifts. And people would start saying, oh, this is like IFS or this is like, you know, somatic work. And I was like, right. Then I went and got training and, and I like, I looked and I was like, oh yes. So I went and looked into it and yeah. read up and, and learned and researched. And I was like, that's weird. I just learned, I learned it in a very different way, but it's got a name and I didn't realize mm -hmm. it had a name. So that's, that's how that came to be. But yeah. Um, so yeah, so it was, uh, that healed, that healed a lot for me, but that being said, so I can talk about my childhood stuff. Yeah. Much, yeah. The irony actually of I me mean, watching that at 16 is that my abuser died right like that year and that's a whole piece that ties into the forgiveness piece wow so the timing is very interesting uh mm -hmm. all of that. but um a little bit of my story when I was probably about four or five I was uh sexually abused by a family member and and that was obviously terrible and 
I I didn't say anything about it right away. It took me a couple of years to, there were some situations and circumstances that came together that was going to have uh, him in, in, our, in my life directly again, in a, mm. maybe an intimate setting. And, and mm. there was a decision made that like, this is the, I'm gonna let, you know, people know. And that's, mm-hmm. that's when I said, I spoke up and, and said it. And I remember it being at the most inopportune time. My parents felt like they were completely on the edge of like a lot of tension. I don't know if divorce was discussed, but it felt very fractured. My Mm -hmm. mom was in the beginning of her sobriety, stages of sobriety, which I hadn't quite connected the dots yet because I was about seven or eight. Mm. And uh, so there was a lot going on when I dropped this bombshell that someone that they knew, loved and trusted had completely violated every, you know, me, our family, trust, mm-hmm. all of it. And, and so luckily I was lucky that they, A, believed me. Like, I, I don't yeah. remember any resistance. I remember silence and I remember mm. like acknowledgement and mm-hmm. shock, I think, mm-hmm. um, but also not like, I think there was also a, oh shit, like, I think on a deep level, it's, it's interesting, you know, it's not that I think people knew, but it's funny when stuff comes out, you kind of go, Ooh, that uh, makes sense. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's uh, like, uh, and yeah, that's awful. Okay. Yeah. And that's awful yeah. too. Yeah. Because that opens yeah. up a whole bunch of other stuff. And I mean, I could talk about how my parents handled that, which I think was fascinating because they, they believed me and I, I don't know how they, how they got through this, but um, my, my mother took it upon herself to confront uh, mm. this person because he was connected to her. And that blows me away, especially with where she was at. And here's here's a really interesting piece that I don't think my parents knew they were kind of ahead of their time, mm. is that my mom facilitated a phone conversation with him. So she traveled to go see him in secret, said, meet me here, don't tell anybody. She confronted him. He broke down. He was in his late 70s, early 80s at this point. Um, Or no, he was in his 70s. And so, and this was a very stoic, uh, rigid, very, yeah, kind of tough, masculine, you know, maybe even toxic masculinity. You just think of maybe toxic masculinity, um, Mm -hmm. very traditional. And so Mm -hmm. he just, he didn't deny it. Um, and he just, he broke down. Like it, it kind of broke him for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And I don't know if that's like, you know, kind of side-eyeing it. Was he, was he faking it? I don't think so. Um, I think it actually, I think it actually really ruined him to have it acknowledged and, and brought to the surface. Yeah, but she facilitated a phone conversation because she said uh, she told him like I don't know what we're going to do. Here's what we can do. You know, we can go to the authorities. We can do all these things. And she was open to all of it. And she was like, I just need you to know that I know. I mean, it was incredibly brave, very uh, that she did that, and, and very uncommon, unfortunately, at the time. You know that that parents didn't usually confront. There was no, there was really no discussion about it actually around the time. Like people weren't, it wasn't something was discussed. So mm-hmm. there were no resources set up or guides. And it was very right. scary because you almost felt like 
where will this go? Like something very out of your control. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I said, some people think, well, why didn't she go to the police right away? And I, it's very convenient from 2023 to kind of throw back a pointed finger and be like, well, you right. should, well, that's again, things were so different. Yeah. It's a convenient perspective, right. Mm-hmm. To say, well, why didn't you? And I, you know, I've had friends that were in law enforcement and have, to, have had to deal with abuse directly with kids. And, and, you know, they, they obviously have their own traumas around that too. Mm-hmm. And it has been very challenging to try and describe the eighties, you know, the, yeah. the mindset and the, the minefield that, that, that can be. And so yeah. anyway, she facilitated this conversation and she said, you here are the rules, essentially. I mean, there were no rules, but that's what she was saying. There's no rules. You can say anything you need to say to him. His job is to listen. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what she told me. She said, I'm going to call you. You're going to answer the phone and you're going to listen to my kid. Like you're going to, whatever she has to say, you're going to listen to it. And again, I mean, I could, I could cry just thinking about that because I just think that's so powerful. And her and my Huge. dad were so supportive of this. And I thought, what? Um, no guide. And, and they did that. And I just think, wow, I think they were intuitively led. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking to that phone call and just not having a clue what, what I, I wanted say. to say. Yeah. And that was also a bit weird. Cause it was like, that was kind of a lot to put on me, but at the same time, I'm grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I felt empowered mm-hmm. actually, like, you I were. didn't know that at the time. I didn't, I didn't know the word. I right. felt like what? I can, I can say anything to this guy and, and knowing who he was and yeah, who, what people thought of him and that I had all this power, I guess I, mm-hmm. and yeah, you can swear, you can say whatever you like. It was all like no holds barred. And I got on the phone and I could hear him. I could hear him breathing. And, and I said, hello. And he said, and he said, hello back. And he, he broke down, which, you know, I know with distance, Oh yeah, of course he did. But it was like, at that age to be present with a man that you knew never cried was he just m- melted in, mm-hmm. in, in front of me. Like, I know we were on the phone and I felt safe. Mm-hmm. I did. I felt safe. So I was far away and on a phone, my heart was racing, but um, he broke down and I felt this wave of, I don't know if it's grace or awareness of humanity of like how fucking fragile like mm-hmm. the human being is, uh, whether mm-hmm. they're good or evil, like all these complexities. And mm-hmm. it just, it really hit me through his emotion. And because I think I was so young, I was closer to, I think, forgiveness and more of an openness than I was closed. I think if this had happened at 11, 12, 13, mm-hmm. I think I would have had a much different response. And I, I remember him just saying, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And he was like begging also. And that was like profound. Like what is happening in the world? This person who I, it was like, everything was backwards. And and then that hit me and I was like, whoa. And I'm this, I'm this central cog of this wheel now. And I have a voice and what am I going to say? And the only thing I could say, which I actually judged myself afterwards, I felt like but now I go, no, I think that was perfect. Was I just wish everything could go back to the way it was. Yes. Yes. Oh, I just got goosebumps. That's like, profound. I know. Yes. 
if we could just undo that. Yeah. And yeah. he, he just kept begging and forgiveness. Like he didn't say that but he said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I, and I just, I just hung up the phone. <laughs> like I just, I had wow. nothing else to say. And I, mm-hmm. and I, and that was that for then. And then I was given the option. Um, we discussed, you know, what, what, what I wanted to do and nothing in my body felt like it was appropriate to, I don't know. I, I just, there was a knowing in me mm-hmm. that I was like, they just kept the door open. They're like, we're, we're just keeping our eye on this. And we're like, you don't have to ever see him again. Did it all these things like for now. And then he got diagnosed with cancer everywhere. Like, mm. and I was like, well, there you go. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of felt like I didn't have to, like, I didn't have to decide. And I, some people might be going, well, you shouldn't have had to decide, you know, your parents should have decided. And I think it all happened so close together. There was like, it all just felt like it was being taken care of. Mm-hmm. And he was a changed, he was like, every time we saw him after mm-hmm. that point, mm-hmm. he couldn't keep it together. He just wow. couldn't, like he was that was the thing. Like he, anytime I was around and I wasn't all like pretending like all huggy or anything like that. No, even my presence Mm. just would make him crumble. And I remember being like, well, I'm not being mean. I'm not doing anything. And it was just my pure presence of whatever you want to call it. Was it, was it forgiveness? Is it grace? Is it, I don't, I don't know, but it was innocent and pure mm-hmm. and real. Mm-hmm. And that is what, that is what killed him in a way. Mm-hmm. And he spent the next eight years, a painful, suffering. slow suffering. And <sighs> there were many layers, a stroke of this, of that he lost he lost function. And the crazy part is I ended up at his bedside after, after he had a stroke. This is when I was about 14, 15, no, I was probably 15. He died on my 16th birthday, actually, um, hmm. which is weird. But uh, it was when I was 15, so it was right before he passed, but he had a stroke. And I ended up being in like close to where he was, like in town, because we didn't live in the same city, but he just happened to be in, in town when it happened. So I automatically was like, I'll, I'll, of course I'll go. And I, and I remember saying to my mom once, is it okay that I don't hate him? Oh. Cause I, I remember thinking, I think I felt like the pressure of people. Yeah. Like you should hate, you should be mad. You should be angry. You should. Right. And I couldn't, I couldn't conjure it up no matter what he had done to me. I, I wonder if it's because I was supported if it because I was right like it's often not the trauma itself of the assault it's the how it was handled correct huge yes and so I know that now but at the time it was just like is this normal like Mm. am I okay and and you know Oprah started having abuse on her show and right and you know Donahue and like all these like Mm -hmm. totally dating myself but there, they did start talking about it later on, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I remember being like, everyone's like, it was my fault. It was my fault. All the victim, the first thing, my fault, my fault, my fault. Yeah. And I always was, was like, mm-hmm. I never, and shame, 
Mm-hmm. And I never felt like I moved through those things. I think I, I thought, I, that's crazy. I think it's because you did have a support. And at your sweet and tender age, you, you understood forgiveness. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. When it was happening, shame. When I told right. shame, right. devastating shame. Oh, like, yeah. will you love me after this? Like, so that, I guess the mm-hmm. shame was there. But after, after this, after the expressing it and telling it, that transmuted something. And, but I never, I was, was like, oh, I didn't realize, like, am I supposed to blame myself? Because everyone that I saw in recovery was like, you, you the first step is usually making sure, you know, it's not your fault. And I was like, well, I know it is not my fault. Mm. Like, I knew it. So I thought that was such a blessing. Yes. And there was even an arrogant part of me that was like, so proud. I mean, I was not, I shouldn't say arrogant, but innocently I'm like, gosh, am I like, is that, am I like, maybe I'm like the most well-abused, well-adjusted abused person. (laughs) Like it was, and I thought that's weird. Like, it's a weird thing. Like maybe I'm just going to skip that part. Um, Mm. And so I'll put a pin in that because there's something about that, that I want to follow up with, which is Mm -hmm. like, so that was my experience up until, well, up until my thirties, honestly, I had never moved through that blame piece. And, and so he ended up uh, having the stroke and I went to his bedside after I was told it was fine that I, I can just like choose how I want to relate to him mm-hmm. and choose to like love him, but also like kind of, key, it was almost like siloed. Like, of course there was an of courseness of love, but no obligation. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I didn't have to, I didn't have to betray my own nature to make sure everyone else was comfortable or felt that justice was being done or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I ended up at his bedside and, and when he saw me, it was like, he couldn't believe that I was there, like out of all the people. And that did a number on him too. And I guess he saw that I was sad, but he couldn't communicate. That was, so that was torture too. Cause all of a sudden he had Mm -hmm. no, so it was wild Mm -hmm. to be in this position with, this abuser what you didn't have a voice you didn't have a voice at that time and now he doesn't have a voice yeah and like yeah I had the voice and now he doesn't Mm -hmm. and and that juxtaposition and just that power play and there was a just something maybe karmic but not cruel like well maybe uh, some people because he did I don't know there's a lot of arguments probably back and forth about whether he deserved or whatever, it's none of my business. That's Mm -hmm. his business, you know, it's his choices. But I remember being like, yeah, like in wonder of the relationship, like this is weird. And I don't feel like I'm obligated and I don't feel like I'm suffering being here and I don't feel put upon and I don't feel bad. And I, but I'm here. Like I knew Mm -hmm. I would be no other place. And, and he like reached up and and like, I guess my, I was frowning or I was sad. Right. Yeah. And so he couldn't talk, but he reached up and was like, and the message was, you don't get to be sad about me. Like he wouldn't, mm-hmm. he was like, no, like, that's not what happens here. You don't get to be sad about what's going on for me. Mm-hmm. And I found that very interesting, mm-hmm. that, that gesture. And like, we never really spoke after that because he died shortly after that on my, on my 16th birthday. Hmm. but there was this process of what he showed me um, about what forgiveness can look like and feel like, and something about being connected to the the very core 
like the core of our nature, which I think is, is inherently love and Mm -hmm. like on a soul level. Mm -hmm. And because I was blessed to maybe be closer to that side of like, you know, seven, eight years old, I was had more access to it. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up having a very kind of grounded and very profound experience of my life as a result of that being mm-hmm. a core, my core experience. So all of my values kind of solidified around that kind of monumental experience mm-hmm. and how it blossomed out from there. Like what's possible when you, when you don't sort of succumb to anger or when you let it go, mm-hmm. or when you just it, when like the anger doesn't turn into bitterness and then resentment yeah. and like talks. it doesn't get stuck. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't and have to go have... through all that. You're it, from all the steps that, that your mom did it, it, it. She showed the steps to forgiveness. In a way. Yes. And she didn't know it. And right. I didn't know right. It, but right. looking back, she still has a hard time um, acknowledging that she still holds so much um it's almost like she's like well I can't you know the guilt the all of it she still carries it's a shame because she what she did was uh, amazing she she couldn't have done anything better honestly she really handled it beautifully I have tried to tell her (laughs) and and also my dad was perfect in it as well because people oh didn't your dad want to kill him and after my dad died in uh, 2016 suddenly which was very tragic and very upsetting and traumatic but um he was, it wasn't until after he died that we looked back on that time and thought, that's weird. Like most dads would have like lost their Mm -hmm. shit and wanted to kill the guy, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and my dad was, he was a strong man. He was not stoic, but solid. He was like a trunk of a tree. Like he he was just solid and and someone you went to, to feel listened to and, and safe. And he held what we saw afterwards was how he held space for my mom Mm -hmm. to be brave Mm -hmm. because if he had lost it if he had decided to make it about his anger and about revenge Mm -hmm. all of that energy would have been drawn away from my mother who needed a a tree trunk like solid support so she could branch out and do that brave thing that would then extend to me and so yeah I was in awe of it you know, 40 years later, realizing what he'd done, Mm -hmm. like that he, and I, we, I never got a chance to really talk to him about that, not in that way, but wow. Yes. It's, it's amazing what you can see in, in, in death, what you can't see in life. Like that fascinates me. Yeah. But uh, to pull the pin out of what I talked about earlier, that the pin about how I never felt to blame. Mm Mm-hmm was that when I was in my thirties, I think I was 35 or 36. I was in a session with my coach slash (laughs) magic man of a support. Um, I would see this guy in North Vancouver who was just a miracle worker. And he would do this um, kind of subconscious work with me. Mm -hmm. And it was fascinating. Mm -hmm. And we ended up stumbling up on something. and, And during his sessions, all I knew was to trust my instincts, just like I tell my clients, trust your instincts, blurt, whatever comes up and mm-hmm. like follow its lead and, and trust where it's, where it wants to take you no matter what sort of thing. And while we were talking, he asked me a question and all of a sudden I was presented with, I saw a door stop and, and I knew what that meant because the door stop was, was the reason I was abused 
the the last time it happened um, mm. because I didn't put the doorstop in the door. I had had a plan that that would prevent it. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. from a child's perspective, you have all these plans. Like, how can I, you know, wear this or I won't wear that or I'll make sure I'm got 10 layers of clothes. Like just mm-hmm. crazy thing. It's amazing that kids when I think about how old I was, right? Mm-hmm. But the door stopped and I didn't put it in the door. And all of a sudden I'm in my thirties and I see the fact that this door stopped and I know exactly what it means. Mm-hmm. And this wave <clears throat> of shame, mm-hmm. of blame to the core, like to, it, I can't describe, like I, I was baffled that what, 30 years later? now I'm gonna now I'm gonna feel like Mm -hmm. it's my fault like I've never been so humbled by the healing process and what I hope people are hearing when I say that and that I've been humbled so many times is that there's certain pockets of healing that open up Mm -hmm. when they're needed and ready and it's time and we don't always decide when that is I know we don't always see it I, coming. <laughs> we, we don't, I, I can't, I was like, oh my God. And I, he, I told him what I saw and then I just lost it. And all because mm. the, the, the tidal wave of shame and blame. And I was like, and mm-hmm. I, I let myself say things like, oh my God, it was all my fault. Oh my God. Why did I? And like, I just, you know, kind of threw it all up and yeah. which is the process I, I help with other people do. And I just, trusted it and I just found that so fascinating that 30 years later something that I I just figured it was not in my cards Mm -hmm. I was going to be the one person that didn't go through that step and oh well like I couldn't manufacture it you know Mm -hmm. so I just trust it and then to relax and have it come forward I just felt like I have to trust this as confusing as that is in a 36 Mm -hmm. seven year old body Mm -hmm. you know 30 years later, be like, this makes no sense. I was like, I don't care. I, I just need to process this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's great news for people to hear because sometimes it's like, oh God, you mean <laughs> like it never ends? Like, oh, when did it is it a journey? Oh. It is a journey, right? It is a journey. I guess what I want to say about that is, and the best analogy I can come up with is, oh gosh. I know it's weird to say like things that happen in our life, good, bad, ugly. I always akin it to like, if I were to give my kids Lego for Christmas when they're two, maybe three, and I give them this pack of Lego to to do what they want with, they're going to experience Lego at two very differently, like very innocently, very appropriately like how they're meant to play with Lego at two, three. Right. And then they'll continue to play with it differently at three and four mm-hmm. and five and six and now 12, you know, and even as a, an adult, like they'll play with it differently, but there's, there's, there's always something maybe new or, or there mm-hmm. to reveal, to understand, to discover mm-hmm. if you're willing to play. And so right. I don't want to associate trauma with gifts but I do, I do believe that the things that happen to us are almost like a package that come to us with multiple wrappings mm-hmm. and that we don't need 
to go in and like rip all the paper off. Like when some people come to work with me, they're like, let's go, let's get, let's get clear. And I'm like, <laughs> I can see them. They're like, let's rip the paper. I don't know. Rip the bandaid off. Like, easy. Like, easy. Um, I understand the enthusiasm and the desperation of wanting clarity and just yeah. to feel connected and like not that shit anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Feel clear of it. Uh, to feel reconciled and all of that. And I, I want that for everybody. And, you know, we can go looking for trouble too soon. We can re-traumatize ourselves. Yeah. And that is not wanted uh, by any version or part of us. Right. And so to understand there's a natural ebb and flow and the more we trust it, and that has a lot to do with surrender. Mm -hmm. So all I say is start to relax the body and surrender and, and address what is, what is arising and, you know, we don't get to cherry pick what bubbles up first. And we'll often, mm -hmm. oh, I already dealt with that. You know, why is that? You know, I think, well, this I've already dealt with it is fascinating to me because mm -hmm. the innocence or the innocent, I call it innocent arrogance because I think there is a part like I already, it is kind of arrogant. Like I already dealt with that. Yeah. I already cried about that in 1995 and in 20, you know, and to feel through it again kind of makes us feel like we didn't do it right, like the last time. Yeah. And I yeah. Go, and that's why I use the Lego thing because it's not that at all. Like you would never say that to a child, like, you know, you really should have played like that with it when you were two. It's like, yeah, you wouldn't. Right. It's, it's it, like, it we, don't allow, we don't allow for newness. We don't right. allow for, because if you imagine life as a spiral staircase, and each step as you look up is kind of like right in line with, with the one that you're on. There's always going to be another step that's right above you or right below you that's totally like similar, right? Mm -hmm. And so as you, as I think we open up to healing um, our consciousness, kind of peeling back layers and wanting more mm -hmm. and being curious and all that, we're essentially on that staircase. <laughs> so, so we underestimate the power and maybe the humility of being where we are and realizing the newness of it. Mm -hmm. Like I've never been here before. And when I say here, it's this age, it's the, with mm. this partner mm -hmm. for this long in this house or home in this place in the world with these kids at these ages, like whatever it might be, the, you know, the cacophony that is of moving pieces and parts that is our life. That might be overwhelming to some, but it's like, it also offers some grace Mm -hmm. I've never been here before. Like I am not really supposed to know, I'm not supposed right. to know how to figure this out. I'm not supposed to have it all figured out. So that wants to offer yeah. innocence in itself to look around and be like, what do I see from this step? And if something bumps up against you or confronts you that you're like, oh, but I, I thought I dealt with it. Mm -hmm. If you allow it to work on you at this vantage point and allowing the newness, it doesn't feel like you did it wrong before. It allows an opening and, and new discovery of like a mature, mm -hmm. a more mature step, a more right. mature vantage point. Right. So we kind of, we can kind of take our feet out from under us without even knowing we're doing it, like mm -hmm. undermining our own healing mm -hmm. with uh, judgments yeah. and assumptions. Oh, criticism and yeah. Yeah. And the negative so self-talk that goes with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I hope people are hearing that and realizing, gosh, you know, what if that's what's happening? What if, what if I've been kind of 
blocking process, like processing things mm-hmm. that I assumed I've, I've worked through when a part of me is saying, yeah, we know you worked through it a year ago, but there's something new here that we want you to see that's really important to the next step that actually wants to give you even more liberation that wants to give you even more freedom or more, more power. Healing. And we don't think about that. We mm-hmm. just think it hurts. I don't like this. It feels like it's taking me back. Right. You know, none of us want to feel <laughs> right. We just want you moving back. forward. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's true. And that is, and, and that is all that is part of the healing journey and it's okay. You're not taking a step back because I, what you're explaining mm-hmm. is exactly, I can see that over my lifetime where I'm like in one area of my life and taking a workshop on childhood abuse. Mm-hmm. And I had, I was going to a church at the time And I had been going to this church for three years and I sat down one Saturday night and there was this flyer about a childhood abuse with healing workshop. And the first thing that came to my mind is I've worked through that. I'm good. I I, I have forgiven. I'm I'm good. And I just kept feeling this little nagging of going and going. And so I finally gave in. And what I realized is, yes, I had absolutely had a measure of healing. I had absolutely had forgiveness towards one of the abusers for sure. Mm -hmm. But I didn't see the other two. I didn't even see them. And I recognized it and it was huge. Mm -hmm. And then what came from that is a friend of mine and I were able to co-facilitate this workshop for eight years and helped hundreds of women begin their healing journey. And so you never know, you never know what can come from it right? Yeah. All those lives exactly. that got affected because Beverly and I said, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's just, it's, it's profound, but I had thought, oh, I'm, I'm good. I, I healed. I'm good. And I was very wrong. Very wrong. Yeah. It's so hard. I mean, it's hard to be in it, but it's, it's nice to hear what's possible. Mm-hmm. Like I always think when you feel pulled back, you know, when you, when you feel that, oh, no, 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 like, I don't want to go there. You know, I don't want to go there again. And you need to go there. <laughs> that, that it's right. Nobody does like mm-hmm. nobody does. But to me, it reminds me of, of an arrow being pulled back. You know, now I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, all right. I mean, I got to trust that I'm being pulled back into something in order to be shot forward. And your story is exactly what that was. Mm-hmm. Like you had the, well, sometimes it feels like a choice and sometimes it doesn't. Right. Right. Sometimes it feels like, Oh, I'm going to choose to take this course. And sometimes it just feels like, what the hell? That's about how I felt. You know, it hits like a tidal wave and you are, you are a passenger. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to stay open, you know, to stay open to what else this might be either trying to help, always trying to help always trying to help. Mm -hmm. Like that's the, that's the piece that I love helping people connect to is that, and I don't know where I got this, but I remember, remember realizing that that thought that so many of us have, which is like, what did I do wrong? Why, Mm -hmm. you know, why again, like a a subtle or not so subtle layer of blame. I I didn't do something good enough. I must, I'm the common denominator. So I must be a piece of shit. Um, yeah. And to somebody, I, I feel like it was like a Maya Angelou or, or some, some incredible author that quoted something and said, you know, I think it might've been Maya Angelou's quote about your crown has already been bought and paid for. 
Mm. And the, um, you know, the idea that your value and worth is never on the table for discussion, like never. And I remember feeling like I had a choice. I can either live with that belief or completely ignore it. Like it felt like a door Mm -hmm. open and I had the choice to like, you can either encompass this now Mm -hmm. and just decide and just decide that from now on your worth and value are actually never on the table. It's just, there's going to be something else that it's trying to show you. It's going to be something else. So to be asking the what else question is something that I I really love to offer people. But here's the thing. Don't try to ignore the the shitty voice I say just get it down on paper and like get it out of the way like yeah okay fine yeah I'm a bag of shit oh, okay it was my fault okay mm-hmm. I'm the worst person ever oh anything else anything else and then when that feels empty and then be like okay so here's that pile <laughs> like we're just gonna we're just gonna put that there and um and so then I'm just gonna open up to any other <laughs> it's almost like a call out to the room it's like so if there's anyone else here from the space yeah. Speak up now. If this were for me, like if this were in support of me, what might this be trying? Like the language is important. What might this be trying to show me or mm-hmm. teach me? Because I don't like to go heavy on the teach because God, doesn't that sometimes feel really heavy? Like I didn't learn the lesson. I've yeah. Seen so so I got to do this people. again. Uh, do it again. Do it oh, again. Yeah. I haven't, I guess I haven't learned the lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, I go, okay. All right. We need to stop right there because that is not how this works. Like. That is not what is going on. I understand we're here to learn, but we are in no way meant to feel victimized by the learning process. And then, mm. and so whenever that starts happening, just hear it and realize that you're feeling victimized. That's okay. You know, mm-hmm. we're so afraid of victimhood. Um, and I see it's a layer. It's a valid layer that wants to be acknowledged, but you can't get to the other stuff until you move through the real stuff mm-hmm. that's coming up. So Give it a place, give it a home, acknowledge it. It doesn't mean you're buying into it. It doesn't mean you're believing it. It doesn't mean you're- It's not your identity. It's not your identity. It Uh means you're you're willing to be aware of it, Mm -hmm. that it exists or Mm -hmm. wants to move through because some of that stuff just wants a way out. And and if we don't acknowledge it, it never gets out. And so I say- And it festers. Come one, come all. Mm-hmm. You know, come one, come all, and let's move through the layers. And what it feels like to me, and even visualize, like visually looks like to me, is almost like muddy water running clear. Mm-hmm. Like the more you allow that stuff through without mm-hmm. identifying with it, just saying, listen, gosh, that could just be a part of me that feels like that, or another part of me. But it doesn't mean I, it's the whole of me. There are these right. facets that are still in process of maybe healing or don't understand. And so, why not allow them space on a page? if only to get curious about what else this might be wanting me to understand mm-hmm. or see or feel, maybe it just wants me to feel mm-hmm. like I had something I had a, I had a, I had a moment the other day, <laughs> just yesterday, this dog came into our lives. Oh, I was going to ask you about that. I, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I saw no. that post. So explain it. Yeah, that was, that was, that was interesting. So without, without confusing the, the room too much, um, my life is a bit weird right now. Um, I'm traveling the world with my family. We've sold all of our belongings. We are currently, I'm <laughs> just skipping over all those things. Um, we're in Ireland right now and we're, we're staying with a host family and we're doing a bit of work for them in exchange for like room and board. It's pretty mm-hmm. fascinating like this, uh, how it all works. And, um, and it's been really fun. And, 
And this dog shows up out of nowhere, sits on the doorstep, beautiful border collie, the sweetest boy, everyone in the house and on the property falls head over heels for him. And we're trying to find, oh my God. He was like, and people are like, oh, he's an angel and fur and that. And I'm like, oh my God, you don't even know. Like you should see that he's incredibly, he's like healing dog. Um, we have a, a week with him on the property coming and going, but always like we, we bathed him, we brought him in the house. We were trying to find out where he came from, all this stuff. And then him and I, sounds so stupid, like him and I had this like really powerful morning on Saturday. I ended up in this field with this horse and him. And we were just like, mm. it was like something out of a movie. We were just sitting on this, in this meadow in the middle of Ireland. It was so picturesque and connecting and just being in each other's presence and he fell asleep beside me and I just mm. it was like I wept because I was so grateful I was so grateful for the moment for whatever was happening in my life right mm. now I can barely I can barely handle it like it's if I think too much about it I just can't it's too much so anyway so that happens and then that was the last time I saw him like we left the field, he went his way, which was, he would come back to the house and sit on the front porch. This is like a week of this and then nothing. And he just vanished, he was gone. And my God, I, I, I felt so worried. I was up all night thinking he mm. fell in the river. And I was like a tormented mother who thought her child had been like abducted or t- it was so awful. Then the next day I couldn't function the grief that came out of me. Mm. I, in talking to a friend, I said, I don't even think I grieved this deeply for my father and my dad was incredible. And like, it was terrible how he left because he just fell asleep and died. Like Mm. it was so out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And when I said that, I went, oh, that's like, then I went on to say, you know, I hear people talking about grief about how they can't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get out of bed about this dog. Like it, mm. but when I said that out loud, I was like, cause I said, this makes no sense. Why would something like that just come into my life, open my heart, expand me like that, like jerk me around. Like anyone who's listening, <laughs> have you ever felt like just so jerked around by life or the universe? Mm-hmm. Or just like, what the hell? You know, what did I do? Right. And I, cause the loss was profound. And I thought, this doesn't make sense. I only knew the dog for a week. Like I know dogs are amazing and don't get me wrong, but I, when certain things like that don't add up where, when the yeah. story doesn't add up to the emotion, right. That's when I know something else is going Something's on. Off. Like, mm-hmm. All right. What else is this <clears throat> other than me thinking that I'm getting the shit kicked out of me by God. And that <laughs> answer came, which is like, I understood subtly not so subtly that I think that was an opening for me to release grief that I didn't know was I had kind of stepped over or skipped over unknowingly like Mm -hmm. that it maybe resided in me whether it was related to my dad who knows maybe from another life I don't Mm -hmm. know but it felt deep and big and real like I was powerless to it it was when I was being cried I wasn't crying I felt like I was being cried. Oh. And that's the best way I can. Oh. When you blink and it just falls and you just can't, you just, Stop. it's, you're a passenger. And I felt so kind of victimized. Like I can't, mm. what is going on? I'm broken. This mm-hmm. dog has like broken me. What is going mm-hmm. on? And, and it, 
dropped in, like perhaps you might have had a pocket of grief that you don't need moving forward. And maybe we thought we'd deliver you a very interesting package in order to access it. And part of me kind of goes, F you. (laughs) So first of all, that's the first response. And then I go like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it. I don't know. I'm still a little bit in it. Um, Yeah. But that's sort through it. Yeah. 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 I meant to ask you about that because I saw that and I knew as soon as I saw that post, I just felt the significance. I didn't understand the whole story, but I knew that there was some significance to it. Like what, why do these things happen? You know, it, those moments where you're like, why does something so amazing, but then it comes and then it goes, you know, yeah. I think about pregnancy loss, like my own and, mm-hmm. um, or just things that you just go, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It just makes you wonder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sometimes it takes some support and some guidance to get clarity on what else that experience wants you to take from it and I and that is a deep and delicious journey and I say delicious very you know like I get that it's hard at times and and yet at the same time there's such rewards in the release and the awareness and Mm -hmm. you know the reconciling through understanding through like Mm -hmm. just staying open and and that's yeah. Well, and, and what comes to me, because I know this is true for me and I've had to slow myself down is, and I think what you're describing, and I'm just going to articulate it a different way is that, you know, when we've been in pain or we have been suffering, we don't want to be there anymore. We want to hurry up and get through it. Right. I want to hurry up and I want to get on the other side. I don't want to feel like this. I hate this. Right. And yeah. I get impatient with it, especially I've had some healing. I've had clarity. I've had, you know, peace and joy that have come into my life through the healing. And I want to keep that at all costs. And when something kind of starts bubbling up and it starts making you uncomfortable, it's for me, it's a reaction of, Oh, okay. What is it? Let's get through it. Let's, let's work through it. And sometimes it doesn't work through quickly. Sometimes we have to sit with it. Sometimes we have to be patient because it is bubbling up and it's just not there yet. Yeah, it's the worst. I mean, like, I'll be right there with clients and be like, this is the worst. This is the worst part where you're being asked to it to be a loose end for a while, like to not have the answers, to not have the clarity, to stay under the water just a little bit longer and you don't want to be there. Yeah. And the process that I, I move people through, you mentioned the radical acceptance work. That was born from that was born from a philosophy that I began my coaching work with, which was daring to suck, which was this <laughs> concept of like of like daring to just do the thing you want to do, and, even if it sucks, even if even if you suck at it, and just like freedom, and you can feel the like middle finger to conformity, and and I'm done with this crap, and I just want to live and that's where it was born from. And so it's a really exciting idea and an exciting process. And it had, it has 12 steps and, and it's very, it's kind of modular and there's these really great, like you've got to tune in and then speak up and then acknowledge feelings and, um, Mm. and so on. And, and it all fit together kind of like Lego actually, and that they weren't linear. You could actually work with them in different, in different parts. 
but I found it really hard for people to move through that process when they carried a lot of emotional, like, like unresolved, unexplored trauma or drama uh, experiences. Mm -hmm. They were, they felt like if there were, if, if the daring to set process was like steps, it felt like they were walking the steps with like tires on their arms, mm -hmm. you know, like, mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, so I, like, as good as this is, or as, as people, as it feels, I'm noticing this, you know, that there's maybe baggage, like that's probably the best word, even though I don't love that word, but it feels like baggage, it feels heavy. Mm -hmm. And, and how do we, how do I help people clear, get more clarity, like lighter so that they can now move through those steps? Like I realized there was kind of a pre, a prequel, like a before yeah. process. And to me, it was very deep, very like not a lot of steps, a process that went in and just went, it went right into the guts of it, which I think intimidates some people or they feel like, like I'm, <laughs> I'm not quite sure if I'm ready to go there and um and the process is is very simple actually there's i would say three steps the first one is to explore what's arising right mm -hmm. and that's through expressing like so to explore express whatever like to have the the courage to blurt so there the daring to sex stops suck steps are woven subtly amongst it all because there's a speak up and a feel and all these things but this is really like around, you know, the energy of things, the feelings of things. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's a, an experience or a memory, and sometimes it's a feeling or a sensation. Like I feel like I've got a weight on my shoulders or a mm -hmm. boot on my chest mm -hmm. or a lump in my stomach. Mm -hmm. And so to use somatic work and, and the internal family system stuff and compassionate inquiry, all that comes all together. But it honestly, it's explore what you're feeling, what you notice express it like express it in, in any way that feels natural true and real and as a result of those two things just simply exploring something and expressing it mm -hmm. there's expansion like you understand more you see more mm -hmm. you're given more like there's no less there, like when people mm -hmm. feel like there's loss in the process I'm so happy to show them that they're, they end up becoming more or feeling more mm -hmm. um, themselves as a result. So it's almost like this, it's almost like bringing back home pieces and parts that felt dis, like disconnected. Yes. Yeah. I was just going to say disconnected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's a collection process mm -hmm. of bringing these things back home. And to me, that is through radically accepting like whatever is just name it claim it blurt it feel it be honest like just that's all you got just be honest which is such a departure from the way a lot of us were taught you know, oh yeah up. It's oh yeah fake like, it so you make it keep your mouth pretend <laughs> like you're okay you yeah know? yeah yeah um don't be a downer <laughs> like, yeah when, when people don't get it, but when you have people that understand the process that you have to sometimes, it's important to get pulled back, but what if you're not getting pulled back in to relive it, you're getting pulled back in to understand, like right. to better understand. And through that clarity, the knots that are all wound and tight, mm -hmm. they open, they start to, mm -hmm. the, the threads come together and the, and you start to see 
you know, space between the knot. Mm-hmm. And then you, and then sometimes the knot just completely untangles just through expression, just through exploration, just through acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of hard for some people to believe. Like I didn't really do anything. And I'm like, I know that's how like well-designed we are actually mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. human beings, but we don't know how this thing works. Like, and I've been given kind of this inside behind the scenes, very personal experience and understanding about the inner workings. And then I've just practiced it with others and seen that it is somewhat universal. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, that's a relief to me, you know, yeah. it's not one size fits all in terms of outcome or experience because each right. person has a different experience, different expression, different outcome. But right. the process remains the same. And there's something simple. said, there's something to be said though, too. I have found in some of the work that I have done and some of the work that I've done in the workshop of expressing. When something is brought out into the open, it can it, especially a lot of this is true for thoughts. It can get disempowered. Like it no longer has yeah. the power especially the negative thoughts, you know, when we hold that stuff inside. And that's why I think that's so powerful about the expressing. There's something about it, getting it out of you and it gets disempowered. Mm -hmm. I have found that to be so true in my life. And when I was doing the workshop, that was so true. And, and, and what we did the first night of the workshop is it was a very small, intimate setting. There was no more than 12, 13 women. And, you know, some of these women have, I mean, they're brave. Like they've never done this. They've never shared their story. And the first night they'll share their story. They'll share one story, the first story that comes to their mind and we'll, and they'll have, we had them share it. And what came out of that as they're sharing their story is all those lies that they believed about themselves. And we would write them down and then we would have them write it down. And they didn't even realize they were saying that stuff about themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just so automatic. Yeah. And I think that's the process of bringing things to the surface. And it's the word humbling doesn't quite cover it, but it's like when you see and you realize like, God, I had no idea that I have in some ways been saying that in my body, you know, Mm -hmm. or sending that message, Mm -hmm. believing and being confronted, being confronted that well, that you're the one, you know, like, (laughs) and yeah, it's one thing, I mean, gosh, radical acceptance and forgiveness, I think are very, they're, I want to say one in the same, Mm -hmm. because I think when you start to understand someone or, or understand something, or you get close to, to it, you get closer to someone and you feel or sense or the something untangles something Mm -hmm. and it's not something you do it's like it's about how you be I think in the in the process of it Uh, are you open are you willing are you willing to see something different I think that's the Mm -hmm. biggest piece that a lot of us get stuck in is that sometimes gosh we're gonna go here is it sometimes there are parts of us that don't want to see gosh Okay, put your seatbelts on, people listening. <laughs> I don't want to see. I just, I just want to because I, I, I just understand how hard sometimes this can 
this stuff can be to hear because you're like, I didn't need that. You know, I don't, I don't need to be like uh, confronted with that. But like parts yeah. of us aren't willing to see because they've built, these parts have built an identity around mm-hmm, being mm-hmm. angry or yeah. mad, you know, or, or sad a or a victim or mm-hmm. yeah, like, or sad, you know, mm-hmm. just, and that's innocent. Like the, if you can always tune into the innocent nature behind the need or desire, that helps. It helps. True. Is what I know. That's a golden nugget right there, people. Listen to that. (laughs) It helps put a bit of support and understanding under that because as soon as you realize, like, I didn't know, I couldn't, I didn't see, like, the innocence. There's always, that's one thing I've come across 100% of the time is through the exploration work, through parts work, we'll always find, no matter the nastiest part, the nastiest feeling at the very core is an innocent, mm-hmm. it's an innocent expression mm-hmm. an innocent desire an innocent unknowing. I didn't know. I couldn't right. have seen. I was this age. Like, and if parts of us are unwilling, it's usually because they have a lot at stake. And when I say that, I mean, it's almost like saving face, which sounds so crazy to our, us logically. Right. Why would I want to stay mad? Well, when you meet the part of you that has built up a behavior and a personality around it and, um, and ways of being and uh, how people know you, mm-hmm. well, it will not let you go there because it won't know who you are or it won't know who it is without that. And right. that is like death. And it, that's why it feels like you'll die. And that's why mm-hmm. it tells you, oh, don't, don't go to that coach or don't go to that therapist. You, it'll feel, you're going to, you know, and then it'll send all these fearful ideas. Yeah, I know exactly ideas. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's wild. It's and true. It's, it's humbling to realize, gosh, it can almost make you feel like, am I crazy? And it's like, no, you're not crazy. You're not you're not. And, and people get stuck and that's why they get stuck. That's why they get stuck in that place. Cause that you, you are exactly right. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. You described it yeah, very so well. When we start realizing, cause I used to think, I don't know if anyone listening or, or you can relate to this. I never, it wasn't until I realized I had parts of me. I thought that what I felt I was like, mm. And, and guess what? I didn't think it. I just, it was an assumption. It was mm-hmm. so smooth. It was so mm-hmm. streamlined. It wasn't until it was actually my miscarriage that, that, that brought that forward because, it, and I can tell you the story about how I healed that, which mm-hmm. I, I say healed and I mean it actually. And I, I don't necessarily grieve the loss. I understand it more now Mm -hmm. and I think with that understanding it's now a part of me and I don't I don't avoid it it's a it walks with me now it doesn't have it doesn't have that grip on you anymore it's like um imagine you're you heard we're a house with many rooms you know and some of those rooms are experiences and our inclination and even society will be like boarded up like the cartoons you remember the cartoons they board up the doors and all that sort of stuff. And it's like there, we never go in there again. And so what I've, what I received after this experience, this is years before my coach training was, I don't have, I can leave that door open. Like that door isn't a threat to me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take me out anymore. Mm. It's a place I can access and even maybe go back in later and, and maybe receive something new, mm-hmm. something good. Maybe I, I don't know. Cause I have received really interesting sort of spiritual experiences Mm -hmm. as a result of like 
being more understanding of it. And, and it was actually in like the most cornered part of my grief where I couldn't stand myself. I couldn't like, even yesterday, when I couldn't get out of bed yesterday, just like, I felt like I, I, I remember like what you said, I can't stand being here. I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. I just want to be on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. And a part of me was like, nope, that is just, just pull up the covers even more and let yourself sink into the mattress and let yourself be even sadder. And I was just like, oh my God, like, fine. Um, but it was one of those days where I was out in the world. I'd, it'd been a few weeks since I had lost our, our pregnancy. And it was obviously very traumatic and all the things that come with it. And I, I, I was so sick of myself because I couldn't be out in public. I couldn't see kids. I couldn't mm-hmm. see pregnant ladies. I couldn't mm-hmm. breathe the air. And I thought I should be over this by now. Mm-hmm. Like, listen to that. I should be over this. Mm-hmm. What? Um, and I came home and I was so sick of being trapped in this circular. I don't want to be on this ride anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm done. And it also felt like I had about like a handful of voices, one telling me feel my feelings, one telling me don't, one telling me I wish we could yeah. all get along. And I felt crazy. Like, I, I remember being like, I can't, I can't continue like this. And something, this is that intuitive experience that I was telling you about that helped me understand like, how to help people. And it said, get a piece of paper and a pen. And I remember going like, and it was like, you're going to go write some stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, and this is before I knew that I was intuitive at all. I just felt cornered by life and this mm-hmm. idea popped mm-hmm. up. So this is by the way, what an intuition is, right? If anyone thinks, oh no, I'm not into it. It's like, that's where sometimes this stuff comes up when yeah. you're squeezed into a corner, mm-hmm. pops out, you know? And it was like, get this piece of paper, get a pen. And I remember kind of arguing with it going awful. And it was like, fine, get your keyboard. I don't care. And I was like, okay, because I can type really fast. <laughs> and it was like, here's what you're going to do. And it was very stern and very direct and pragmatic, not mad, but it was like, okay, this is like, listen to this. And it said, acknowledge the, the voices that you hear. How many are there? And I was like, oh, there's this one that, and I recognized uh, a bully, a bully that was like, come on, get over it. Mm. You know, you should have this and you should have that. And, and it was just fierce. And I was like, oh, okay, uh, there's a bully. And then there was this victim that she was on the floor. Like I could already see in my mind's eye, they had personas. The, the bully was a pointed finger and already like going for it. And the victim was on the, like, she could not get more closer to the floor. She was mm. like with the floor. And then there was this third energy that I sensed that felt, they showed me wringing hands and, and I felt the worry and mm-hmm. I felt pacing and I thought, this is weird. <laughs> I was like, I just have to let you understand. Like, I did not know what I was doing. I was like, okay, this is weird. And I just started, the rules were this, go to each part, let them fully express themselves. No one else gets to speak when one. So it's almost like the Phil Donahue. Remember how he used to like <laughs> throw the microphone and like hit people in the face? Yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, no. And they used to make fun of him on Saturday Night Live. Um, and it was like that. It was like, take the mic and no one else gets to talk. No matter how much you want to, you'll have your turn. Don't worry about it. Right. And I remember like, okay, this is bringing some order to the chaos. And so I started with, um, I started with the, what I called the observer, who was the wringing of the hands, the warrior. I could have called her the warrior actually, 
or the warrior, but the warrior, she was worried. And so automatically I'm like, she's pacing, she's walking back and forth. She wishes she could change things. She hears them and no one's, no one's listening to each other. She's so stressed out. She just wishes this and she wishes that. And then I start like feeling into this part and I'm realizing how earnest she is Mm -hmm. and how much she wants for us. And I was like almost embodying her. And um, I, I almost like gave myself over to her and just gave her a voice and I let her talk. And she was like, won't you guys listen to each other? And then I, I was given a bit of a behind the scenes, like, what does this part care about? And I was like, connection, love, Mm. harmony, like, peace and and friendship and connection and like love I just kept going around and I got such a full and robust understanding of that observer there was a sensation of where it felt so full I I knew everything I needed to know about it and it offered everything and I listened to everything and when it was done I just knew that it was done I was like okay so Mm -hmm. anything else and it was like silence I thought Mm -hmm. Okay, but the understanding I got from the process almost quieted, like her hand stopped ringing because she was like, thank you. And she could sit back. Yeah. She, she had a like, voice. She had a voice. She was complete. She mm-hmm. felt like, yeah. not only that, there was this element of them all. I actually, this is so weird, but I felt them looking at each other and they were like, she's writing it down. <laughs> like, there was, do, you, do you get that? Like when your parts are like, when you pay attention to yourself, so this is what happens in sessions. When people start giving their parts a voice, there's almost like a, oh, like, oh shit. Like, like <laughs> she stopped and she's gonna, and it's funny. And it is mm-hmm. funny, as sad as some things can be or as difficult, there is this buzz of like, we're doing this. Like yeah. we're doing this. And these parts are, and I'm covered in goosebumps. Oh, um, Cause they just love it. They just, they get so excited to know that you're coming in. Mm-hmm. to dialogue with them and um so the observer yeah. felt like almost like honored and I felt that and she was almost like thank you like I've been uh, like thank you and relieved and I thought this is weird and then I had the two to choose from and I was like okay well I'm not going to the bully yet because I could they were they were hot I did they were spicy I was not I was actually quite scared of that one mm. but again I had nothing to lose at this point like sometimes these cornered moments put us in those corners Mm -hmm. because we feel like we got I felt cornered my back was against the wall this was the neck it was the only thing that I felt might help and I didn't even know what it was yeah um but by the grace of trauma like is that even a thing by the grace of trauma it came forth Mm -hmm. so snack on that I mean I've never said those words before but I mean like that is very true it's Mm -hmm. wild so then I went to the victim and oh my God, this is where, this is where I understood I was onto something incredible because she was very difficult to be with because it was so heartbreaking. Like mm. to meet her where she was at mm. was confusion, sadness. This can be applied to not just, it's like any trauma, mm-hmm. childhood abuse, mm-hmm. uh, domestic abuse, you name it, right? Pregnancy loss, um, Real health loss. issues. Not, uh, health when I say issues. real loss, I mean like loss of a relation, like loss of a person, like death. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, real loss is terrible because it's all loss. All loss is real. Um, gosh. Uh, and so 
I went to her and she was just so confused. And I just, I started like being a scribe for her. And she was telling me like, I'm, this is how it feels. And I feel lost and confused and angry. And she went one minute from being so pathetic, rightfully so, like devastated to like raging in anger mm-hmm. and, and like pounding her fist. And, and then she showed me this chain that she had attached to her ankle and it was attached to, to the experience, which I didn't know where, I couldn't see where it was attached, but there was this almost like, yeah, this ball and chain thing. And mm-hmm. it was the experience. And I wrote, it was almost poetic, like channeled writing actually. It was like, she's forever changed. Is she forever changed chain to the experience? Always dragging it with her, no matter where she goes. Like that was what she was worried about that's what made her feel victimized that she could never get rid of it right um or or worse you know she always chains to it or worse is it house arrest you know never mm-hmm. knowing mm-hmm. when she's ever going to get released mm-hmm. and she just continued to give and give and give feelings and thoughts and perspectives and like the full spectrum and then i realized she said something like i would be no other place then she changed from this pathetic and angry, like out of control. That's the very surface mm-hmm. version of her, right? Mm-hmm. To this fierce, like, I'd be no other place. And I was like, why? And she said, because what happened mattered. And I realized mm. that this part of me, these parts of us, are so willing to be inconvenient and upsetting to others that just want things to be nice. They're so willing to be the inconvenient feeling or truth in the room. Mm-hmm. You advocate for what mattered. They're in a way warriors for our feelings and our mm. experiences and our traumas. And they're willing to be awkward and unwanted and unsavory and uh, to make sure people know and that, 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 they, that it's known that what happened hurt mm-hmm. and then it made a mark mm-hmm. and she then transformed from what I assumed in the beginning to be just kind of a very sad and pathetic to this fierce Xena like warrior <laughs> with like and she was like to me as a whole she was like I'd be no other place for you I'll do it again and again like mm. I did it when you were a kid I'll do it now anytime you can count on me to make sure your feelings matter and I was weeping like I was just bawling from that awareness realizing a part of me was speaking to me like Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. I had no idea that was a thing you know what I'm saying yeah this is when I thought what I felt I was until now I realized what I felt what I feel, what we feel is a representation of an experience and even an honoring of it and an embodiment or respect. Actually, that victim, she was respecting what went down. And she didn't just represent my miscarriage. She represented so many other times. And I realized it had never really been fully expressed by me or, you know, and, and so in me acknowledging her, she saw that I was in awe of her and I think she there was this shift of like wow you really get it like you get it now like you understand that I'm not a pain in your ass I'm not a problem like and mm-hmm. I think she felt like finally seen you know and her because I hear what I'm getting from this 
is she didn't have a voice before. She was on the ground. She was pathetic. She she didn't have a voice. You gave her a voice and she moved into empowerment. Yeah, because think of the only reason I did that was because I removed the judgment that I'd previously held against her. There you go. So it's the judgments that get that we have about our pieces and our parts and our past that yes. get in the way of true release of true completion of true reconciliation yes. reconciliation is a process of understanding and by surrendering because I felt like I had nothing left honestly it was just that cord yeah. I got nothing and I'm vulnerable and I'm almost weak that was a blessing because mm-hmm. if I didn't if I had any defenses if I still had fight in me yes. you know And guess what? I probably could have, but I remember just being so sick and tired. I thought I might as well try this. Let me try this. Yeah. If I might as well, because the, the option is to just suffer anyway. Like I remember thinking I'm suffering anyway, so I might as well suffer in a new way. (laughs) And maybe get out of this. Yeah. Like maybe it'll be the way out. I don't know, but I'm willing to try anything energy. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she offered me all of this and laid it all on the floor and she transformed in front of my eyes and she became this very powerful warrior, proud, um, a proud advocate for me because I understood her and she understood. Mm-hmm. And I felt like a kinship and I thought, Oh my God, mm-hmm. what is going on? Just through blurting, just through exploring and expressing. I got that and I got mm-hmm. gifts. It was such a gift. And I could start, I felt better. And I felt like I felt strong enough mm-hmm. to then go to the bully. And then when I went to the bully, I mean, each one of us has a toxic part. That's like oh, yeah. spewing doubt and abuse and just bullshit. Like you should have known. And it's been two weeks already. And you should be over this. And so-and-so is already back and they went through it. And why aren't they? I mean, you name it, right? Mm-hmm. It, it came, it, it didn't even wait. It didn't even wait for me to get typing. It was like, and I was like, oh I was like, it's mad and it's pointing a finger and it's saying all these things. And, and then I, I just let it talk and I, it became more and more unraveled, like just mm-hmm. frantic, the mm-hmm. energy. So when you're moving through pieces and parts, as people are expressing, having the freedom to express with me, one of them, like my main job is to track the energy and to acknowledge and to make sure that's being acknowledged mm-hmm. um, so that they can, they don't miss it. So they don't miss what's in behind the voice. Right. And so what I noticed what was in behind the bully was frantic energy, like frantic. I need to be right. I'm right. You're wrong. Get your shit together. Mm-hmm. And the pointed finger and the bossy. And, and I just, I realized this part of me is terrified. Only someone that is scared acts that way like acts absolutely yes. irrational yes. and and mean and and like cutthroat and says the thing that you know is so awful and i i remember just kind of subtly acknowledging like oh my god you're scared what mm-hmm. are you scared of and then it gave it to me and it, and oh. as soon as i saw it i i said oh my god you're scared and it went well i hate seeing us like this and then i was in then it let me, and to see, like, mm-hmm. then it let me in. And I was like, oh my God, what do you mean? And it was like, well, like you're this and you're that and all the things that I love, like you're, you're happy and you're, you're enthusiastic and people like you were like, it was freaking out because I couldn't be the version of me that it loved or my, maybe my favorite parts of me. 
my enthusiasm for life, my sense of humor, my levity, my whatever it was that makes me like what I like about me, mm-hmm. I guess. And maybe what other people like about me, maybe mm-hmm. that stuff that I get back, like, oh, we like, you're so funny or this, whatever. Um, and I was none of those things right now, like in that moment. So this part was freaking out because it felt like it was losing the very best versions and parts and pieces of me because of this tragedy and this, this awful experience. Oh. And then I understood, I was like, you are freaking out because you think I'm never going to be like that again. It was like, yeah, mm. like, because because if you're here, you're not that. If you're this, you're not that. And I was like, okay. And it was like, yeah, like, and then I realized it was this advocate for all of my favorite parts about me. And then that untangled the whole mm. mess. And it was like, it was kind of found out. Like, then it was kind of discovered. Like, yeah, in behind all the gnarly teeth and sharp claws was this desperate, but I love us. I love the way we are when we're happy and I love living life and I love being here. I love connecting with people, but I can't do that if you're on the floor. So that's very different than a toxic part. When, Mm -hmm. um, the, when the gentleman, his name is Richard. I can't think of his last name. He wrote no bad parts and he was, well, he claims to be the father of internal family systems. And part of me is like, I might challenge that because I, you know, I, did, I did this thing back in 2000 and it, I don't know, it's, it's ridiculous. But, um, but part of me is like, I just didn't name it. I wasn't famous. <laughs> I didn't put a label on it. <laughs> but he's the, he's sort of the gra- the godfather, grandfather, whatever, the discoverer of their really no bad, bad parts. And that was the moment I realized that no matter, like, no matter what I come across inside of me, at the core of it is always an innocent kernel mm-hmm. and nugget. Mm-hmm. That is just misunderstood, not heard, hasn't hasn't been spoken to, um, hasn't been seen or advocated for. Like to be curious at all, to stay mm-hmm. open and willing, is the key, mm-hmm. and to explore and express, and then see what happens to let go of the outcome. Mm-hmm. And that's another piece of daring to suck. So daring to suck evolved over the years from this kind of surface level I want to live and live my life to a very deep, like even daring for things to suck on a level for them to come through to fruition, mm-hmm. for them to transmute into like almost like compost, you know, right. It spills over and it turns into nutrients instead right. of garbage, right. You know, the garbage turns into actually nutrients in the soil for things to grow. Exactly. So that was this holy spiritual, like journaling afternoon that I spent and at the end of it, when I finally acknowledged the bully and she settled right down, as soon as she felt mm-hmm. understood, fully mm-hmm. seen, fully heard behind all the masks of fear and anger and fright and doubt, it was like I experienced peace for the, I want to say like the first time almost in my whole life. I never felt so quiet in myself. Mm. And I was like, like I wasn't looking for that in a way. Like I, I know I wanted to be rid of the thoughts and feelings, <clears throat> but I was so invested in the process. Mm-hmm. I, rem- I remember being told this also in it. It was like, what you're receiving now, this release, this peace is only a result of your willingness and commitment to the process. Mm-hmm. Cause you didn't, I was never thinking you better give me something. Like, you know, like right, I right. Never, I was never grabbing the parts or the feelings and going, you better, you know, you better yeah. get me out of here. Right? You, were just, like, you were going along. 
I was, I was surrendered and innocent mm-hmm. in it. And, and I, I brought along, I don't know, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know where this is going. I don't know what this means, but I think, and I sense, and I feel, and just being kind of innocent with it. Um, not being the boss of it. It's like being a student to your own self. And that's a big shift to make, mm-hmm. to realize that you can not only be a student, but a teacher to yourself. Like, I don't know what to talk about this, but I, sometimes I feel like a real weirdo, but I'm like, that's what's happening in this process. Right. And where can I talk about it? Like where, you know, I suppose yeah. TikTok's a good place, but yeah. So, so wow. that, that's a lot of it. That's, it all wrapped into that, that one experience. And when I experienced that, I really, I received the peace. I was so like, I can't believe that just happened. And I felt so changed. Not that I didn't care about what happened anymore. The pieces and parts just felt understood. They didn't have to say anything anymore. They didn't have to argue with each other. Everyone understood where they were coming from. Mm -hmm. The victim didn't realize how difficult it was on the bully. And the bully Mm -hmm. didn't realize what the victim was really was. They just made assumptions and judgments about each other. Like, isn't that crazy too? It's like, yeah, the observer was just this, like, can't we all get along kind of that friend that everybody has that's just. You know, just want to make sure everyone maker. get yeah the peacemaker exactly. the people pleaser you know maybe. yeah um, and they all well, just and, felt respected you know and you completely described what I'm just going to say is if you mm-hmm. replace judgment with curiosity which is exactly what you did you open yeah. the door to many great things right so instead of judging so instead mm-hmm. of judging yourself and being hard like you know you started with a my feelings don't line up with what's really going on, right? If you stay there, mm-hmm. look at what you would have missed out. But what you did is you went, you, I love that you use the word innocence because that's what came to me too, is that there was an innocence yeah. about you that you, the, the position you took was of innocence and of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do I know? I mean, honestly, right. I felt a victim to it. So it, in the beginning, that's what led me to it. Right. But it turned me into a student to it right and I and I think it's hard for some of us and me at times too to to switch those gears and and kind of feel to be a student can feel powerless it can feel like hang on I should know like in my head you know yeah we really rely on uh, I'm x years old I should know by now Mm. I should have a handle on this thing that is my body and like what says who what I say yeah like says who because you've never been here before you know in this situation circumstance you know loss gain whatever um because even joy can bring uh, like a complete transformation and upheaval so it can it's all it can it's all on the table for exploration it's just when something doesn't line up like you say when an emotion or a feeling doesn't line up with what's going on it's time to go deeper yeah just wonder about it you know I love that why um, I, like the wonder I forget who said it, it might have been Sonia Choquette she's a great she's like this intuitive maybe she's an intuitive coach or something but she's like hey houser she's you know an OG hey houser um her books um speak to your guides huge shifts for me if anyone's mm. listening to, wants some like really interesting like ethereal inquiry about 
spiritual support and things like that. She's a, she's a great guide for that and uh, helped to connect a lot of dots for me. But she said, you know, that I think it was her that said, as soon as you start to wonder and you say, I wonder about, mm-hmm. you know, and fill in the blank. When you say, I wonder, it sends an antenna, which is like your intuition. Right. Up, and it's like sends a signal out because it's not gripping on to needing a specific answer. It's literally opening up to, I wonder mm-hmm. what that's about. I wonder what this is trying to show me. I wonder what so-and-so is doing. And it's actually one of her practices. She's like, if you want to practice your intuition, just wonder about things and just mm-hmm. write down what you sense or feel or notice. And that's how you can start honing, you know, your intuition and mm-hmm. things like that. But that's really it. It's it, wonder is kind of this curiosity and innocence kind of mixed together. It's what children do. Yeah. It's what I children wonder. do. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. They're and it's even wondering. got that posture. And yeah. you look up. I wonder. Right. And it sends you to places to see what you sense. Right. And we've lost, a lot of us have sort of lost connection with that. Yeah. Um, we forget that it's right under our nose, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. we, we can often just get stuck in our heads, you know, which can be just tricky. Yeah, it can. It can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. I, 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 I got a lot to think and process. This was really good. You, there's a lot that you shared that is really making me think. So I really appreciate mm-hmm. it. And so Tell everybody how they can reach out to you. It will, of course, have it listed as well, but tell everybody how yeah. they can reach out to you. Um, well, it's funny. I just mentioned the head piece, like about getting stuck in your head, because sometimes a great place to start. So I've got something that I can offer for free and I'll, I'll send you the link for yes. it. Yes. Um, but it's, it's almost like a session, something I used to offer my group when I had a group, uh, the Daring to Sex Society, it's now in, in, uh, archived but uh, maybe something new will be born on the other side of it but it was a process I used to move my group through every week and I would have them move through the energy and space of their head their Mm -hmm. heart their body and their soul Mm -hmm. and to just do some quick little like like my body or my head feels like this it sounds like this and and to just go through the four different places and the wisdom and the connection and the clarity Mm -hmm. that you get from that so uh, there's a link, hopefully in the show notes, for yes. you to get that. And it's free and it's yes. free. So I offer that for people to wake up to, it's almost like trying on the work, trying mm-hmm. on the process, because mm-hmm. if you feel really aligned with that, it means you're very good with this process. It means you're very aligned with it. And it's like, you're ready to go. If it feels really tricky, you might be better off, you know, trying other modalities or, mm-hmm. or different ways in to get that clarity. But for people that really love it and run with it, I mean, it's amazing what the imagination and the and your creativity will bring through your intuition mm-hmm. to help you gain a deeper understanding of your whole self, but through these four interesting parts, head, heart, body, soul, yes. and that you're in relationship with all of them. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's, that's a freebie that I like to send people out to because that- it's a good, good way to either try me on or the process and just kind of get a, a touch. It's very grounding. Right. It, you know what it, it, what it sounds like, I, I'm always saying that for me, self-awareness mm-hmm. was what really helped me with my healing, um, my healing journey. And still to this day, of course, mm-hmm. and that's what this sounds like. It's a training ground. It's a training to help you become more self-aware, yeah. which is critical. It, it's a way of coming back home 
to self in a way that doesn't feel like super heavy or like it's very light, but it's amazing what bubbles up. And that's the other piece. So I find when people really resonate with it, they're like, I want more. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well then, you know, and that that's like, well, that's fine. Then you contact me if you want to go deeper and go into specific places where you feel like you might get caught in the weeds, because that's what happens. That's why facilitation is helpful. When you feel like, oh, that thing feels a little big or I'm going to yeah. need adult supervision because you know, <laughs> I have my own adult supervision. You know, every week I meet with somebody, I coach a friend where yeah. I am, I'm having that, you know, just someone, our, our stuff wants to be witnessed and supported. Mm-hmm. And it's an, yeah. it's an investment that I think is very worthwhile. If you have a buddy system, it's always mm-hmm. good, but yeah, sometimes you need to sort of go deeper and go kind of, yeah, go, go bigger, but yeah. So no, you can find me on, I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram, carrieannlivingston.com. Um, yeah. Yeah. Forward slash links. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, forward we'll, slash links. We'll it sends all you to your... all the things. Oh, I have retreats as well. So I have a retreat Ooh. in Morocco in October. I'm not sure when this is going to be aired, but, um, and then another one in the spring that I'm, I'll probably announce after Morocco, but yeah, okay. but they're all about self-expression. It's all about this process. Mm-hmm. You learn how to just move through whatever's arising and mm-hmm. just discover yourself. And it's mm-hmm. like full of the full spectrum, like joy, even expression, expressing of sorrows and, um, and even like breaking stuff. There's a whole like, the women yeah, love breaking like stuff. That. There's all like breaking <laughs> shit. I know. It's like, <laughs> you know, who about am I after I smash this plate? You know, who am I after I break this glass? I don't know because we don't give ourselves permission to do that. So it's very liberating. And I think it's really interesting to get to know yourself uh, in different situations and circumstances, especially surrounded by support and sisterhood and, anyway yeah 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 you need each other you never know what comes out of you until you're squeezed right I say that all the time you never know with people that yeah with people that that love you like and I think that's the piece that at least from the retreats that I do the women are just like I don't even know you people you know and it's like how can you be this way like how can you how can I feel so loved and I think that's the piece that we've we've missed or lost lost connection with is what we're capable of, what women are actually capable of when we're together, mm-hmm. when we drop the masks, when we drop mm-hmm. all of the stuff, when we realize we're this abundant force of mm-hmm. love and support and like zero effing around for each yeah. other. Yeah. And it's amazing when given the opportunity, how it comes forward so quickly. And I think that is a little like, overwhelming at mm-hmm. first for some women but then they're realizing this is it's actually more natural and it's almost like a recognition mm-hmm. of like oh my god I forgot like on a on a cellular level I don't know where you connect with interest like we've, how have we forgotten this how have right. we forgotten how powerful we are together? yes yes and, I uh, I'm 100 I 100 agree with you I mean my thing is unity because we're so divided and among women uh, we just tend to be so divided. We don't need to be, we need each other. We need mm-hmm. each other. And we, yeah. yeah, the connection, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's amazing. And there's nothing else like it. There's nothing there else like it. We're so good at it. Yeah. 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 Even people that don't realize they have it in them all of a sudden it, it like we draw it out of each other. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you well, again. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
And um, yeah, this is this is really good. I I've learned a lot, and like I said, I, I'm I'm a little I'm thinking because I'm I'm going to do a lot of processing. Oh my gosh, why do I feel like I'm like sorry? Oh <laughs> like, no, it's all good stuff. It's all how, good stuff. How human is that? Right. Um, that is right. You see, actually, here's the other piece. I'm starting a podcast called Human AF because of like. Yeah, about like being human and all it comes with. Yeah. And like just silly little things like that. Part of me wants to say sorry. <laughs> like, sorry, what? not sorry. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely sorry, not sorry. Yeah, I just let it out. It's anyway. good. No, I like the uh, the writing. I, I I'm a I'm a huge believer in the writing and and, and yeah. going in deep. So I'm gonna do some of that in my journal. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. A little bit. For yeah. Me. Yeah. yeah. Thank you.